0: Welcome to Grief Recovery Now podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Gorzella, your grief recovery specialist. This podcast is being produced just for you, someone who has been challenged and heartbroken over a significant and devastating loss, death, divorce, sudden life change, or the many other ways we experience grief. You will be taken on a conversational journey with me and some special guests who have come out the other side of grief and committed to small, powerful, and courageous steps that made all the difference in their lives, for the better. I want to instill in you on what is possible, that joy, hope, peace, and happiness is closer than you think. While your life is forever changed, you can have a beautiful new outlook on your relationships and loss with a sense of completion that goes deep in your soul. Ready, set, now. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Charlene Gorzella, your host for Grief Recovery Now podcast. So grateful, so happy, so enthusiastic that you're here today. Many of you are in other countries than the United States. I want to welcome you. And I will promise you as your host that if there's anything I think you can't understand or not in your country's conversation, I will stop the conversation and ask them to clarify. So just know I know who you are, and I'm here for you wherever you are in the world. And also wherever you are in your grief process, grief recovery, non-recovery, can't get out of bed, wherever you are, I'm here for you. And also, if you know of anyone who's having a challenge in the grief space or any kind of loss state, please tell them about this podcast. And there are links On the page of our podcast. We're on all the podcast platforms and research us how to reach us. We're on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group. You are so welcome to be involved in what we're doing today and every day, just for you. Anyway, there is a segment of our podcast that is called Off the Cuff with Charlene Gorzella. And today I would like to talk about grief recovery method and the work that goes with it. And the reason why I'm bringing that up, because I always think when I say you've got to do the work, discovery is not recovery. So you have to do the work. And I'm wondering, people must be going work. Oh, my God, I have enough work. I can't even lift my head off my pillow. What kind of work is this? So I want you to know it is not hard labor work. This is heart labor. Remember, the heart And if you don't understand how to get in your heart, that's another reason why I'm here. It's all part of the grief recovery method. I think the human potential. And we're here to educate each other. So maybe I'll remind your heart hey, that makes sense. And I thought I'd talk today about recovery is every day. A lot of you know, I mean, recovered from drugs and alcohol. I'm 34 years clean and sober. So I still, every day, as a human being living in the human experience, things come up. Like today, I'm giving you a warning. I am on cold medicine. And cold medicine, I feel a little off kilter. And what happens right before I get sick, I feel a sensitivity happening. And a lot of things have happened today. I don't wanna say to me, but around me. And I wasn't as efficient as I thought I should be. Should be. And my judger came out. I judged myself what I could have, should have, would have done. I should have been more prepared. I should have had more time to take my dog to the groomer today or my boyfriend, my fiance, who I want to be perfect for. I, I had this, how can I say, um, I wanted to be in this perfection mode in front of somebody who loves and care about me, it has nothing to do with the outside people in my life. It's all my inner work, my judge, especially the bigger. Biggest thing is my judger. So when I judge myself, I can maybe avoid things. And what does this have to do with grief recovery? It's the filters I walk through in life. I'm doing this positive intelligence work, which is like a mind gym. And I also, how does it tie into grief recovery work? It's everything. In my grief recovery work and the methodology, what I've learned is we're so into our intellect. We're not in our heart. In this positive intelligence work, is we work with the brain and that is so big right now. So it's not my intellect that's working, that I'm marinating in my own knowledge or the filters I'm walking through. Judger, I'm less than, I'm not good enough. People are talking lately about imposter syndrome, that they're working, they're in leadership roles. I don't care if you're a CEO or a file clerk or a data entry person and everything in between. Many people have that imposter syndrome. And I've heard about it. It's not coming up for nothing in the world. If you want to look into it, just Google it and see what the definition is. That's a whole new episode. And so just know this is heart labor. And I'm here to help you with that. I'm here to be your assistant. You don't have to study for it. This is what are the nooks and crannies of your heart? We had to do in this work I'm doing now, we had to take pictures of us as children like nine years old and below, even seven years old and below, and take a look at it. And this was like a whole week work. We did other things, but seeing the perfection of this child, the sage, the love that we're all born with, the innocence, the goodness. And I don't mean the goodness, you're a good girl or a bad, a good boy, or you're a bad girl or a, Good boy. I'm talking about the good with a capital G in its highest way. Good God, higher power, who your true nature is, which is all beautiful. And tap into that. We even did a thing on Putin. You know, cranes happening. We did a picture of him. I've never seen a more sadder child than Putin. I'm not saying I condone what he does, but I see it. And you know what? A lot of people who do grief recovery work our trauma, PTSD, abuse. We just last week, we had someone who was a victim of sex trafficking from a very young age for many, many years who has recovered and is doing really good work in the world, just like our guest coming up, Jody Grinwell. And so just, this is, something to ponder, by the way. If you want to know more, please, you know, call me, keep listening to the podcast. I'm a grief recovery specialist and a coach for positive intelligence. So I am here for you. So here we are, my favorite part of the grief recovery now podcast. I'd like to introduce you to Jody Hope Grinwald. Jody is a multi-passionate social entrepreneur, a change maker, nonprofit leader, podcast host, connector, certified professional coach, consultant, and speaker. She has worked in leadership positions for multiple not-for-profit for for impact organizations since 2005, including Executive Director of American Heart Association and Vice President Development for the American Lung Association of the Mid-Atlantic. Excuse me, I had to swallow. (laughs) It's the cold. In 2017, Jody became the co-founder and CEO of the ZAC G, applaud our kids foundation. The foundation funds children who meet the financial needs requirements to take ongoing lessons in the performing arts for up to 15 years at performing art studios close to their homes. The organization has grown exponentially since its inception and is now focused on three core programming pillars. In late 2020, Jody launched the Today is the Day Changemakers podcast and YouTube channel that highlights changemakers, self-starters, and those who are disrupting their personal and professional status quo. She has had the honor of interviewing CNN heroes, CEOs, celebrity band members, entrepreneurs, executive producers of a TV show, authors, I can go on and on and on. She's doing all she can to bring inspiration to the masses. Jody is launching the 2022 or has launched the 2022 inaugural Today is the Day Challenge Yourself. I'm going to repeat that. The 2022 inaugural Today is the Day Challenge Yourself. Disrupt the Status Quo International Changemaker Forum, featuring over 30 Changemaker guests from the podcast that she has. And I am going to be on our podcast recording next week or the week after. So I'm excited about it. I did go to this forum. Blew my mind. People from all over the world. If everyone thinks this world is going down to tombs, it isn't. Because the people who are in this forum blew my mind. They're in not-for-profit sectors. The government, executive producer of one of the longest television shows ever, I think. I don't know if they beat out um, SVU Law and Order. but if anything, it's close, but I tell you, she had the best people and, you know, people are invited all over the world. She want to affect the masses. And let's hear a little bit about her grief recovery journey and why she's so passionate about what she's doing. So Jody,
1: welcome. Charlene, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here and I'm excited that we're going to switch places soon and you'll be on my podcast. So this is going
0: to be so much fun. I agree. So, as you know, I told you before the podcast, I asked what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Can you start with your childhood and maybe your relationship with your father, which we're going to be talking about today, or anything else that may come up? As you know, it's an intuitive conversation. So, very authentic wherever you're coming from, and what it was like and what it's like now. And people don't know you. So, we try to get the heart. Everything is sacred here. And Come as you are. That's what this podcast is all about. I love
1: love that. And I I appreciate that. So, yeah. So I was uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. As a kid, I was extremely shy and I felt very awkward and different than most people. I don't know why I felt that way, but I just did not get along with kids my own age. It wasn't that I didn't get along and we fought. It was that they did. I did not take social cues very well. And so for whatever reason, I always just felt very different. My processing was different. And my dad was kind of that person who got me. Right. So he got he got exactly. I always used to say to him, I just feel so different than everybody else. I don't know what it is about me. I can't figure it out. Why? It's not that people didn't like me. They just didn't get me. And but adults, I could get along with no problem. It was it was it was like I was an eight year old kid in a twenty five year you know I was a twenty five year old kid in an eight year old kid's body, and that's how it was for most of my life growing up. And so my my dad was um, he was kind of a workaholic to be honest. So growing up, whenever I would have time with him, that time was so very special. So I you know I remember and I fondly remember a time where he would take us and take me to uh, he worked for a, a place that sold suits and so when I was younger and so he would take me and I would sit there and be bored out of my mind because I would just sit him sit in the back watching him do this all day but the best part was the ride going into the city with him having breakfast with him and then getting hot chocolate and then the ride home and those were very special moments it's incredible how I still remember because I was so very young but being a kid, it was it was just very interesting for me because I was feel, always felt very uniquely different. And he understood me. He was that person that I would call on no matter what was going on. So if he was if he'd either be celebrating me or he'd be telling me I was wrong. But the one thing I could always count on is I'd get the truth. So I never, I knew that if I went to him, he wasn't going to be, you're my daughter, you do everything right. He was going to be very honest with me. And he, he was extremely intuitive. And I didn't really understand that back then. When I was a kid, I used to, I used to, you know, he would talk about my vibes are telling me that you shouldn't go there or you shouldn't do this. And I would be like, Ooh, you know, what does that even mean? Like, I didn't understand. And so uh, as I grew up, I understood a little bit more. And now I understand when we get those vibes about certain people and certain things and get connected to people, why we do. So I learned a lot of that through him. Um, you know, he passed away, uh, almost seven years ago from, uh, ALS and, sorry. Yeah. Horrible, horrible disease. All diseases are horrible. There's no, you know, there's no disease that's not horrible. Um, But what I will say is, is that, you know, as I was growing up, he was, my mom was a stay at home mom. So he was my go-to guy for everything related to business. Right. So he got, he helped me get my first job. He helped me get my first apartment. Like there were just, he was just that go to guy. My mom was really great about being the caregiver. Right. And, and, you know, you get a boo boo, you get, you know, she's going to fix you up. But when it came to guidance on life lessons, that was where he was the person, he came here from Italy when he was four years old with his twin sister. His mother was in the Holocaust before that. She, you know, yeah, and he never met his dad and he grew up extremely poor, working at eight years old. And so he didn't even graduate from high school yet, yet, Um, the incredible part, it was six months before he was supposed to graduate, he didn't graduate, yet he worked his way up through the ranks that he was making way more money than people with graduate degrees. As, as I got older and he got older and I watched him just make it all happen. And it was just incredible to see because he wound up, he was like, there's no way I'm going to let my education keep me from being who I am, you know, who I want to be. And so if you talk about, you know, you asked me about the, who I was as a kid, I kind of saw as I saw him doing that and obstacles that I faced. He taught me very well about the fact that to follow your heart and be heart-centered. And that was everything he ever was, is all about that kindness. You ask him, what's your religion? I practice the religion of kindness. No, no, no. What's your religion? And he would go, I practice the religion of kindness. And people would try to beat him up about it. And they would be. he would be like, that's who I am. If I'm just kind every single day. And he had these incredible sayings that people remember and still talk about. Losing him was... It was sudden in the fact of what we, when we found out and then we went through a horrible, horrible time of six months before he passed. But if you talk about what happened at the other end of it, he inspired us without him even knowing he did because he was gone when we started the foundation that you talked about in my intro. He was the kid who was the opera singer who couldn't take lessons when he was a kid because he couldn't afford. So he took his first lesson when he was in his mid thirties. And they're like, oh, by the way, you're an operatic tenor. And he was like, I am. And so he wanted to take more lessons. And he had a family at that point, couldn't really afford to. And so he did it when he could. And then when he got older in his 50s and 60s, he was, you know, early 60s, he was able to take those lessons. But it was, you know, that career piece was pretty much gone. It was more of a hobby than it was anything else. And so we created a foundation, you know, grief is. Hold on.
0: Can you go back? Yeah, the people who may be going through an illness like ALS or other things that are similar or not not so similar, but a diagnosis like that, can you to go back and when everyone found out, what was that like? Because obviously, oh, yeah. you know, there is loss there—loss of my full-bodied dad who I thought would live until you don't even think about it, right? So, no, can you talk about all. that and how the how it affected you and your family?
1: Sure. Yeah. So he was the most independent person. He was 60. He was 67 when he found out, but he was still working in Manhattan. And you would look at him, he look like he was 50. And so very able until all of a sudden he started to get some aches and pains and he didn't know what they were from. And so, yeah, all of a sudden we started to notice his walking was weird and, and it just, he didn't seem right. So when he did get the diagnosis, his words were, I was just given my death sentence. Right. So he, that's how he felt in that moment. And one of the biggest mistakes that I will say that my sister and I made was when you have a diagnosis of something like that, where there is no cure and there really is no medication, all I kept trying to do, because I had friends in different medical field and, and pharma and all of that, is try to get them into a clinical trial, try to run them here, try to run them there and not enjoy the time that we were given because we were running to try to save him. But in that, unfortunately, in that realm of ALS... The most important thing to do is spend the time and make every day the best day ever. Doesn't matter because you don't know what your timeline is. So enjoy every day. So I think that we spent a lot of time trying to save him in in a disease that was, he was unsavable. However, I would have liked to have enjoyed that time a little bit more. So if you're in a space... And you're feeling like, I just want to save the person. And it's so hard because you're like, you feel the pressure that it's on you to make it. You you know, I felt like, how could I not save him? I know, you know, I know people in different areas, medical field, pharma, all of this. There's nothing they can do. You've got to get into the moment and laugh in that moment, hug in that moment, Tell each other you love each other in that moment. None of us, we all have to remember, none of us own tomorrow. It doesn't matter whether you have a diagnosis or you don't. Nobody knows. It's a roulette wheel every day. So we forget about that. And so that's why I even say people who are diagnosed with something, when you get in your mind that you're sick, that's when you lose. You don't have to, you don't have to feel sick if you, even when you don't feel well, it's how do you feel in that moment? And how can you be present in that moment? And that was what I feel like we, we could have done a little bit of a better job It because we lived in fear. We were fearful every day. And yes, it was horrific because we went from him walking to him in a wheelchair. And we went from the left hand moving to the left hand, waking up the next day and the left hand not moving. And he would say, he said, it was like, he felt like he was rusting from the inside out. I think the worst part is, from, from this was that his whole entire mind was there the entire process of losing all of his abilities and being the bystander to watch that happen to someone and feel helpless when you love them so much. I'll get teary. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody cries on your podcast. Um, <laughs> um, You know, it that was hard. That that was hard, and that's why. Like now, with with the foundation, I feel like I I can keep him alive mm-hmm. and all of his teachings, and the kids that never met him, I can teach them who he is. Like I feel like you can turn grief, grief can come out of you in a bunch of different ways, and you know this even better than me. And so, with that being said, we decided to take our grief and turn it into something productive, and I work. We worked hard to do that as we continue to go through the grieving process because I'm not done grieving at the loss of him. I don't know that I ever will be. It just doesn't feel that way. And feel like I'm always going to miss him. He didn't get to see my, my daughter, my youngest is an opera singer, just like him. And she's four, 11 and a half. Like he didn't, they, they were taught, used to talk about that all the time about him trying to guide her. And he was so proud of her and he d- didn't get to see her be the lead just this past weekend in her opera. Heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. But he passed it down. How incredible is that? Skip my generation. I didn't get any of that musical talent, but it, it went. To, it went to my. It went to my daughter. But in response to what you were saying, it's the hardest thing in the world to be sitting there with your father, having a full-on conversation, and them telling you to say goodbye because he scheduled the time of when he was going to die because he couldn't take it anymore, and so he. It was like I'm in the room having a conversation like this. I'm leaving the room. And when I come back, he's on morphine
0: and he's dying. And it's horrific. And What is it called? Um, The right to die?
1: Yeah, I forgot. I I, I can't remember. And to be honest with you, it was something I didn't even know we could do. But because he had ALS and he was on a ventilator, he could choose to not be on the ventilator anymore. And he was on a talking trach. And a ventilator, and they he sang to my daughter a week before he died on a ventilator because he had a talking trait at the same oh. time because they they had it flown in special for him because he was a singer and they didn't want to take away the last because th- he still had his voice you know a lot of people in ALS they lose their voice but because of all the vocal work he did he his voice was really the last thing to go he never really lost his voice all the way which was incredible
0: wow so I forget what it's called go ahead I'm sorry.
1: No, I was going to say, I forget what it's called, but he, with, with what he had, he was able to say that he didn't want to be, you know,
0: supported anymore in life support. Oh, great. Now your, your father, when he was, thank you for sharing that because it's important. And I had a friend whose sister's husband, her brother-in-law just went through that and made that decision because it's legal in California, whatever your religious beliefs or whatever, we're here not to judge. Not to be religious, not to be non-religious, not to be spiritual, not to be not be spiritual. It's a come as you are. I can't stress that enough. This is just to observe and learn about others and their path. And, it you know, take what you want and leave the rest. Now, what I've learned in death and grieving is like we grieve ourselves because it's our experience. How was your father in the grief? Because the people who are dying... They're also going through their own grief, the missing of you. You You have our own grief as we're walking through this journey with your loved one or non-loved one, because, you know, we, some people walk through a journey with someone who abused them, but it was a father they haven't seen for 30 years who's dying. And so you got to go through that. Everyone is unique, but in this experience with your father, can you talk a little bit about his losses and his grief? Were you able to observe some of his griefs? Losing you, losing his girls, his wife, his singing, his work, you know, things he was looking forward to. Can you talk about that a little bit? Have you ever thought about that? Have you do you remember observing that? Can you talk about that a little yeah, it's
1: bit? Yes, funny. I, th- I thought about this the other day and, and, and so my parents weren't together, but yet and um, my father had remarried and then divorced again. And my mother is the one who took care of him, even though they were divorced. She, she pitched in and she was, yeah. So it, it's interesting how things like that happen. And then you help the person, but he, one of the things he said, because we would say to him, we're here for you, dad, we're, we're, we're with you. And he's like, you might be physically with me, but you are born alone and you die alone. And he goes, so I'm, this is, I'm on my own. I'm, this is, I am, I'm on my own. As much as you're here and you're with me and you're holding my hand. He's like, as all of this happens, this is me by myself. And that was just such a like, oh my gosh, moment. Like how alone that person does feel because they're leaving Uh, everything behind and they don't know where they're going. (laughs) You know, and he he used to say he had these dreams as he was getting ready to transition and stuff like that, where, you know, people were, you know, whatever was happening on the other side, he would say, it's like you have to be accepted. It was interesting because he would wake up from these dreams and he would share this and it would be interesting to listen to him. Uh and we didn't know if it was real or not if it you know what what would, what it was like but he would tell you that was what he would tell us. And seeing you know seeing him he suffered terribly. See that was the thing about this the unfortunate part of this disease. It's it's not a, a quick and easy for sure and not that any of them are but the loss of the hand, the loss of the legs, the loss the his face and just seeing it and him just looking at you like you he looked at us like he wished he would just go, like like stop taking pieces of me away because it was little by little, although it was big jumps because it was only six months, but it, it, it was just horrible to see somebody just disintegrate because that's what this disease did. And so, but the brain is 150% there. So he's telling you all of what's going on and you can't fix it. And I think that what I learned through that is that, you know, the birthing process, when we come in the world, we come in alone. When we leave this world, we leave alone. And that's why it is so important to love who you are and be connected to truly who you are as a person and be kind to yourself you know, you were talking about the shoulds and the woods and, the, and all of that when you opened. Like we are sometimes the worst to ourselves, but at the end of the day, that's who we end with. So we, it, you know, you can end with a person you don't like, or during the time that we're here, we can fix whatever we don't like and end
0: on a note where we love who we are. That's beautiful. Now, let me ask, this came up, uh, this is an intuitive conversation, right? You saw your father. Do you feel like you saw your father in his pure essence? Like he's changed physically, I'm sure. And I think the way we judge each other, ourselves, like myself, I can wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and judge myself right away. I'm getting older. I'm this. I got too big of a butt. You know, and I'm not trying to downplay your experience with your dad, but how uh, grief recovery work. I want to teach people how they don't have to go through recovery work. We could do pre how we treat each other's today, how the the messages or the insights you get, like, did your dad change physically were, you know, your dad was a good looking guy. I saw pictures of him. We'll make sure we put it on the website. Right. And he's a handsome man. And I'm sure in six months it changed. Not that he's oh. not handsome, but did you see him like the picture when you're a child? Did you see him in his pure essence? I saw I did. I did, I did love see and acceptance. And he was just perfect. Right. Not the disease wasn't right. in your surface mind, but the, can you talk about that? Are you getting what I'm talking about? I do get what you're talking about. Absolutely.
1: You know what it was is his physicality changed and it was hard to look at physically because he was such a good looking and such a an robust guy but what i did i think our conversations and the essence of him even more came out during during the time i spent a lot more time with him remember i said he was a workaholic the time of him being sick gave me time that i never had as a kid like that that helped me recover some of that space that we had that i didn't have growing up so i got to see a side of him and 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 be with him and we had philosophical phenomenal conversations that some of them I was able to tape a little bit because I said I want to remember his voice and remember he didn't even know I was doing that by the way I never told him because I didn't want him to think I didn't want to frighten him that I knew he was dying he knew it but we didn't I didn't want to say it out loud so I just would record secretly and I've told other friends of mine who are in that space it's not a bad idea to do that ask that person questions You don't have to tell them you're recording them because then they might not feel comfortable with certain things, but record those conversations to keep them close to you. And so I got to see and hear a side of him. And it's not that I just talked about his background. It was these philosophical, deep learnings that I can keep with me as an adult and get older. And that was his essence was a teacher. He was a teacher to the core of of his being. It, to so many people that I never even knew he knew that came up to me at his funeral the place was packed to the gills that I want you to know I have to just share this he was a frequent Starbucks person at this one Starbucks place and it's going to sound ridiculous okay but he was and when we went to Starbucks to tell to ask them if they we wanted to have coffee outside of his funeral home because he was such a big Starbucks person we had we tell them that he passed they're all crying because he spent Saturdays there with them. And he would be working on his music and be counseling all of the staff and the people coming in and out of the door. (laughs) Starbucks loved him so much in Red Bank, New Jersey, that when they switched furniture, they gave us his chair and table to keep. The chair and table that because he sat at the same one every single time he went to Starbucks, he would wait for that chair and that table. And they gave us the chair and table to keep when they switch furniture over, that's how much they loved him just at the
0: Starbucks. Oh my God. I just love that. And you know, we never know the impact we have on people. The he didn't know. He didn't know. Mm-mm. No. And it sounds so beautiful. And for yourself, by the way, I just saw something on 60 minutes and they're working on something. Cause you know, a lot of the Holocaust survivors are dying. They're in their eighties and nineties. And so this couple, They're doing this hologram and they're interviewing these Holocaust survivors. And 60 Minutes showed them it's a lot of work, but they're showing them you can ask them questions and they're in this hologram. It looks like they're sitting right there. And they talk about their experience, about their life, and they all volunteered for it. You're not going to get that kind of thing, but the legacy thing, start recording videotape nowadays, we could do it on our iPhone or Android or camera if you got a you know any kind of camera it's so easy to do and aren't you happy you did it I am and I don't know what it just and I did it on my phone
1: and I don't know what just made me realize to do it I think back and I it just came to me out of the blue you need to without him he would say to me and I even have a recording where it says what are you doing on your phone he had no idea that I was just hitting record but that's what I was doing on my phone yeah
0: Oh my! it was God. worth it That's beautiful. And I want to go back to how you feel you'll never, you know, you'll always be in grief. Grief is so unique. There's no time frame, but there's different levels of grief. Some people think, oh, you know, all the coulda, shoulda, what is all that stuff? You think that's grief talking. It's not. It's your intellectual talking. The grief is in your heart, the missing, the Looking at the sacredness of this experience you went through with this loved one, even a non loved one, and how they have forever changed you. You can make this as there's an acceptance to being, and I call it the sage, which is all about heart love, right? There's an acceptance part to that being in your sage. Yes, it happened. I accept it, right? But then there's an innovation part of it. How can I make them the most? And like you do with your not for profit. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's still ways maybe there is when the tears start coming up, that's telling you something maybe to look at like in our grief recovery work, we talk about the forgives and you don't necessarily have to do the forgives in front of the person because they may not take it as well, or even telling your, your uh, relatives or your sister, because they, everybody has a different experience in grief and in their childhood. Like my sisters, when I talked about my mom, that didn't happen. Well, that was my experience. So I try to preface it when I speak in groups about grief and all that, that it's my own experience in that. And I'm honoring that experience. And if you're in innovation like you are Mm -hmm. and making it meaningful and starting this not-for-profit and seeing your dad and everyone who's involved in this music school, I am just so happy, first of all, that you're doing it for up. 15 up to 15 years or 15. Yeah, 15 years. Up to 15 years. And you had the wherewithal to know that you were doing things near their homes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can't afford to get, you know, they
1: don't have gas money. To get far, this is the free and reduced lunch kids that are normal in in school. But we provide the funding for them to go to after school programming, like their friends who go to dancing school. We pay for everything: the instruments, the dance shoes, the recital costume. They don't pay for anything, and they just have to get the kids there. And then we also have a program where we'll fund a teacher to go into like the Salvation Army or the Boys and Girls Clubs, because for the kids that have no way to get transport, you know, uh, any transportation, we'll bring the program, the creative programming to them creative people need outlets if they don't if if these kids do not have these outlets other things happen it's proven it's it's statistics showcase it and so we want to make sure it's the way that they deal with whatever may be going on in their home life too so it that that's why it's so important to us to connect the kids with an ongoing outlet my father had the biggest death regret that he ever had was that and no other kid should have to go through that. That should not be what you're sitting laying in. And, you, you know, that's your last thought is the fact that you wanted to be an opera singer or you wanted an opportunity to connect with, with a guitar. You know, that should not be it. And we're trying to take, to help
0: with that. I don't even think you're trying, you're doing it.
1: <laughs> you're right. You're right. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and that is beautiful. Beautiful work. And it's just part of me, my, my goal. And I know yours is too in the world. Is how can we live fulfilling life? And I mean full, not fill. A lot of times people grieving, you know, pour me, pour me a drink. And I'm not saying not to have feelings and I'm sorry for myself and I'm sorry for the loss. I'm sorry for all this, mm-hmm. but start being when you're in the heart and you get quiet And you're not distracted in the doing. And I call these short-term energy-relieving behaviors. Shopping, internet, reality shows. And I'm not saying you don't need to do any of it, but look in the why you are doing it. And sometimes, hey, I'm doing it because I don't want to think about it. I want to numb it. I don't want it in my head anymore, so I'm going to do this. It's okay. Do it. But don't go down the rabbit hole in it. It's all part of sometimes we need that relief. That's okay. You know, what you're doing is a being part of his legacy, and it creates meaning in your life. It's a big yes in your life. And sometimes it's not even about him anymore. It's doing it because you're part mm-hmm. of that legacy. So what's your big yes in the world? Are people out in um, grief recovery now podcast world? Think of what is your big yes. What are you getting out of this podcast today? How can you be of service? What is that unique? It may not be creativity or music. It could be anything feeding the poor. It could be anything or helping a family member that may need some help. You know, has a mental illness that just like Lou Garris, you feel like you're scratching your head. Is there a way out? Well, sometimes there isn't. Right, And there's a way into the heart to, I can only speak for. Myself, as you can only speak for yourself, but we're here to serve and it's peer to peer too. I have people because if you can relate to it, not necessarily the circumstance, but the feeling tone that goes with it and the, you know, certain experiences. As I said, take what you like, leave the rest, and we're all unique, but we're also all in this together. Yeah. Now, Jody, tell us a little bit one thing that you would like to leave with. You've left a lot for our listeners. And also tell us what's going on with you. I know I read some of this stuff, but, you know, the the forum, the not-for-profit, whatever you want to share. And then, you know, we'll end our show. Our time is almost up.
1: Yeah, no, no problem. You know, I think that, thing that I realize is, is that we, we put a lot of pressure and stress on ourselves. We have to be the best at this, that. The other thing, we always are trying to bring our A-game. And what we have built up over time is our A-game of armor, is what I call it, as opposed to our A-game of authenticity. And my goal in life is to help people go back to who they were or want to be. And that may be struggling because they are wearing armor to be protective of themselves. There's so much we don't do because, A, we live in fear, or B, we're afraid to be judged. And so then we we shy away from the things we think we will fail at and that my goal is to help people and connect people and through change makers that that is exactly why I created it because every one of them has shared what their hardship and obstacles are, but they disrupt the status quo personally as well as professionally and they're willing to share how they do that with others so that they can help those other people be on the path they want to be too. And that, that is something I had a lot of things that I was afraid to do growing up as well as in my adulthood and starting that podcast was definitely one of them. Becoming a coach was one of them, but every single time, if, as when your why, I believe this so strong. So this is what I'll say. If you could take this away, when your why is greater than your how, you'll figure it out. You just do. And if you can't, when your why is bigger than your how, you'll find somebody else who can answer the how because you have to just continue to ask the questions and find the people who believe in you. As If you don't believe in yourself, find one person who believes in your idea. And I'm telling you, it just takes one person to say, I agree. I think that's a great idea. That validation, if you can't do it, we say find it in yourself first. But if you're struggling, sometimes we need a, a partner and that's Okay. It's okay to have to need a partner once in a while. It helps you to grow and you learn from each other. So I'm creating a movement, not a forum, not a podcast, and a movement where people can come together, share and be mentored as well as be part of this for the forum that's international. Because I, I believe we learn beyond boundaries and borders.
0: Absolutely. And what's great about you, Jody? I'm a big fan of yours. And I went to the forum and I saw other people that I would like on my podcast And also do grief recovery with, I had this woman, she lost, she had some major losses. I have her name down. I haven't followed up because of busyness, but she's on my list to call to offer my services. And she seemed very receptive to it. And then also I got another one who person who I'm going to be interviewing next week, Scott Cheney, Chesney, Chesney. Chesney. And I'm so excited. And when I called or emailed you and said, Hey, I've talked to so-and-so and and you're like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. You don't covet the people, you know, or your sphere of influence and your people you are free. And I love it. I tell my friends, my friends are your friends, call them, whatever, if you connect. And those are the people I want to be around today. So we can spread the love and it's all about love. And you come from such a beautiful, loving space Thank you for sharing with us. And you're on Facebook, right? Do you have a, a private group or a change maker?
1: Today is the day. Live it is one of the groups. And today is the day. Change makers is a private group that people can be accepted into. Instagram is today is the day. Live it. And then um, my, my website is today is the day. Live it.com.
0: Okay. Bravo. I'm so glad you came on. And again, thank you. I appreciate you. And I know our listeners do, and I appreciate you listeners. Come back next week or we do it every two weeks. And again, so happy you're here today. And Jody, thank you for sharing yourself so beautifully. Anything happening in your future, I'll get you back on here that I think our listeners might appreciate. So thank you.
1: Thanks, Charlene. I can't wait to have you on my podcast as well. And thanks for your heart and what you,
0: what you bring to the world. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I receive that. And remember, everybody, receive the love, receive the compliments receive um all the good that you are see in the way you like to uh, wear jewelry if you're creative and you have red hair you know purple hair whatever and you that's how you want to look be it please be your authentic self and if you don't know how to be that learn from others read from others especially entertainers today or other people who are walking a path of the new road in life like you're doing Jody This world is up-leveling. Let's be part of the up-leveling rather than the polarity. Yes, agreed. Okay, so peace and love, everyone. Please check out. We're on most of the podcast platforms. Please rate and review. Private group, Grief Recovery Now, on Facebook, Instagram, it's under Charlene Gorzella. We love you and appreciate you. See you later. Thank you. Thank you for joining our Grief Recovery Now journey. Like what you heard? It would be the biggest compliment to our mission if you would please subscribe, rate, and review Grief Recovery Now on Apple Podcasts. And we will keep you posted on our next podcasts. If you don't have Apple, we are also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Grief Recovery Now. And if you are in need of any personal attention, please contact me with the link on this podcast page, which is Grief Recovery Method dot com forward slash GRMS forward slash Charlene dash Gorzella. It would be an honor to hear from you.